Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and whoa, 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 welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, August 10th. A very happy Monday, August 10th, I'd say, after yesterday's events. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year's Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account which is that Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, as well as the Gmail, which is LockdownPodgers at gmail.com. And yeah, I'll do my best to answer them here on the show. I know you guys probably have some questions, you know? Maybe you don't. Hey, hey maybe, maybe you don't have questions, but you could just send me a little comment. I don't know. Whatever. Engage with those accounts. They're really fun. But anyways, moving on, guys. Today's episode, we're going to be recapping this series against the D-backs, this glorious, mostly glorious, series against the Dimebacks over the weekend, including yesterday's just bonanza of fun. And then just going to talk really quickly about the Dodgers and whatnot. So let's get into it. First of all, let's talk. Let's start with, wow, let's start. Let's start with uh, Friday's game, guys. So here's the thing. It's so easy to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr., right? It's just so easy to be like, he's great, you know, he's got the most home runs by a shortstop in this small stretch of a career ever, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? We're going to do that because it was the first pitch. I was watching it. I was watching it on the street, man. I'm seeing him. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if he does Oh, my sweet jelly beans of nonsense. I. It's just... He really, you know, and what's interesting about this game, and I'd say even the game, the Saturday game more so, is that I feel like one of the questions that's been raised now is whether or not Tatis should be batting leadoff still, considering how many home runs he's hit. Uh, He's hit like four straight now, and he had two of one game, this one coming off the first pitch, that I feel like one of the questions that's being posed right now among uh, the fans and some of the, the baseball thinkers out there is whether or not he should be actually be batting down the order. That way, he could potentially drive in some more runs. I don't necessarily want to go that way. It is a fair question, but I also think I, I don't want to change up what's already working for him. You know what I'm saying? I, I just feel like the only thing I might do is maybe move him down second and maybe bat Grisham first, just because Grisham, I think, uh, he gets on base really great. He's got 377 on base so far this year. He walks by far the... Uh, the most of any player on the team. So I'd say that maybe that's the only thing I might change, but for the most part, I still think uh, just keep it going, man. And you know what? If he's going to hit home runs like every single day, all right, whatever. You still got people at the bottom of the order that could hopefully do something like Ty France and and uh, Edward Olivares and even Greg Garcia, who's who I think has been pretty good for the team so far. But you know what I mean? Like, So that's one of the questions I've seen, but not something I'm freaking out about. One thing that was great to see that wasn't necessarily expected is Grisham made a really great uh, diving play at one point in the game. That was really nice to see because he hasn't been super... Um, What's the word? Uh, inspiring. He hasn't exactly made us feel like, oh, yeah, this is great about the Manny Margo thing uh, defensively. Although, that being said about Manny Margo, he actually made an error in yesterday's game against the Rays. or I'm sorry, for the Rays against the Yankees that I actually saw live. The ball just completely bounced off his glove. So, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe we won't miss Manny Margo from defensive potential. Uh, but that was really cool. Uh, Edward Olivares ends up getting a home run, which was awesome to see for him since I've just felt like it's the three bench guys. It's Ty France, Edward Olivares, and Greg Garcia. I feel like, and Garcia, the most, uh, the the biggest example of this, have just been, you know, not elite for sure, but I, I do have some faith in them, especially with Garcia and France to a degree too. It's just your your bench can be worse. 
You know what I mean? It could be a lot worse than this. But anyway, moving on. And then Jake Cronenworth, who I then tweeted, we are not Cronenworthy. He's been just outstanding. You know what I mean? And he hits a home run in this game. I text, uh, I messaged Daniel Epstein. I was like, I can't believe this guy. <laughs> He's just so much fun. He hits that. And it was great to see. And then Zach Davies, I think, I would argue, uh, because that's it for the offense. It was just Tatis, Cronenworth, and Oliveras with three solo home runs. I'd say Davies is up there for being one of the most underrated Padres so far. I mean, he's been really good this season. So far, he's got an ERA of just 2.87. He's got 13 strikeouts, which isn't a lot. It's actually the lowest out of the four like core pitchers we've had between Richards, Lament, and Paddock. And his whip is currently below one, though, which really makes up for it. So, yeah, his K per nine isn't great, and that was kind of to be expected. But he just look, and he's such a limpy kind of looking guy. When you watch him pitch... You don't immediately think that this guy, you feel like this is like the guy who's going to be the victim on a highlight reel for Sports Center, right? That people hit uh, like eight home runs off of. And we'll get to uh, the guy that ended up on a highlight reel soon. Um, he just, he whatever he does, it works. You know what I'm saying? Like his pitches just work. He throws those weird cutters, not cutters, but he throws that like weird slider. He doesn't throw hard. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't really have any like in-depth um, feeling on the guy whatever he does works he had an ERA of 3.9 last year which wasn't bad and compared to a lot of other starting pitchers in the league right now especially compared to a lot of other starting pitchers in the league right now he's been great starting pitching has not been awesome in the league so far which is what's so interesting you know what I mean like there hasn't been like from aces like Strasburg just got lit up yesterday for example I know it was his first start so maybe he's still kind of you know he's got to get back into the, the groove of things but just in terms of aces and in terms of pitches in the league not great so far he ends up finishing the night going 5.2 innings only three hits and six k's with no walks which was probably the greatest thing and then what was great is it looks like the bullpen is calming down this was the most Padres preseason type of win you could have expected I think. Stammen ends up going for just one out. He gets the strikeout uh, to end the inning for because Davies only went two-thirds there. And then Pomerantz comes in gives up a walk but does get two strikeouts no runs and hits. And then Emilio Pagan comes in. Only eight pitches for him which was great to see. Gets the strikeout and then Kirby Yates comes in. Allows a hit but gets the strikeout to seal the deal. The way they win. 3 nothing. Only off of home runs and a great bullpen showing. That Friday win was, I feel like, how a lot of people expected the Padres to get W's this season. You know what I mean? Because especially last year, it was such a home run heavy team in a lot of ways and not a team that really got on base so consistently. Uh, and then just having this great bullpen really helps with that. But this hasn't been the case for the Padres the whole year. It's, it's actually been like an explosive offense and really great starting pitching and then a shaky bullpen. So Friday's game was oddly the most normal game, I'd say. Uh, that the Padres have played this year, which is odd. To, it's weird to say, but that's how I felt about it. Uh, and then Saturday's game was disappointing. And I think Saturday's game, if it weren't for Sunday, would be the thing that I'd be focusing on the most from the weekend. But thankfully, we had Sunday. But still, uh, Paddock looks good. Um, you know, <laughs> he's throwing the change up a lot. He's throwing. I mean, I should say he's throwing the curveball a little bit more. But I think they kept him in too long. But still, it's not like his pitch count was through the roof. But still, I, I did feel like they kept Paddock in a little bit too long. It didn't feel like he was necessarily totally killing it. But again, there's kind of these fluky home runs that come from Arizona off of Stephen Vogt. You know what I mean? Of all the people to kind of uh, get the home run off of Paddock. It was just kind of disappointing to see. Um, 
but still, I, I wasn't. I'm not too worried about Paddock. He does finish with a decent line overall, going 5.2 innings, giving up three runs and having six Ks. It wasn't 95 pitches. He looked great through those first five innings. You probably couldn't have taken him out. And then the bullpen is able to do great for the rest of the game. Strom doesn't give up anything. Um, Pierce Johnson doesn't give up anything, and Javi Guerrero doesn't give up anything. But unfortunately, the offense just wasn't there, and that kind of is the story. Look, like I said, Tatis has been amazing, right? He's playing like the one that's got the massive contract. And I think that that loss, the big thing has been this. And I haven't given Tommy Pham enough flack. Let me just say that. But obviously the biggest concern on the team, the biggest one that everyone's you know complaining about is Manny Machado. And I think it's because Pham seems to at least be hitting the ball in a way that doesn't feel like like he's hitting kind of line drives and whatnot. He is grounding into some plays, but it feels like he's at least hitting some line drives, especially because I really think that I'm back lost early in the season. He just, that was like Babic extreme. He hit a bunch of fly balls, I think. Could have been base hits if hit differently, you know what I'm saying? And I think the other thing is it's not like he's been striking out too much you know what I mean he still has a 333 on base despite the 220 average and he's got nine walks to go with it so I think that's part of it while you look at Machado who's got 15 strikeouts just five more but he also does have the nine walks here's the thing bottom line is that Saturday game Machado grinds into two double plays two double plays one of them being a man on first and then the other one being first and third which was the earlier one in the game and Maybe it's because, you know, the contract. Oh, wait, no. It's not maybe because of the contract. It is because of the contract. And then he also has that error early on. I mentioned after the loss against the Dodgers, the the close loss there, where he was complaining about the strike two call, and then Tingler has to come in to basically save him from getting ejected. It's not a great showing, and I know that we're about to talk about Machado's game yesterday, but... He needs to be better. However, I do admit that maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical because Fam has not been great either. You know what I mean? Tommy Fam has only uh, he only has a, um, a, an OPS right now of six um, six twenty one, for example, which is much lower than Machado's, which is at seven fifty seven. But granted, that could be just because of yesterday's game. But I do think. I've been calling Tommy Pham the warlock. He needs to step it up too. You could argue that heading into the season, it's it was supposed to be Tatis, Machado, and Pham as the three best players. Not Grisham, Tatis, and Myers. You know what I mean? Those have basically been the best players for the team and Jay, the aforementioned Jake Cronenworth. It's a little bit disappointing from that perspective that those two guys haven't been the front force of what we really need and expect from them. And I just want to add another little bit note. Really happy for Starling Marte. I know he hits that home run. He smokes one. A great pure hitter. Great um like average guy for years. I think we all know about Starling Marte. Just one of the more consistent outfielders in the game. Even if you're always expecting or, or wanting a little bit more from him, especially when it comes into the power department and more of the on-base department. Still a great player. And I was happy for him because, one, for those who don't know, Starling Marte, great name. Also, because his middle name is Javier. So I have an attachment to that. And also, I'm happy for him because his wife passed away over the summer and he's got three kids. So that must be really rough. So I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm a little soft. I kind of, I cheered a little bit. I cheered a little bit after the home run from Marte. And he's kind of been, with the exception of Cattell Marte, uh, kind of their best offensive player so far this year. So, I, you know, I'm soft. What can I say, guys? But he, I, it was it was nice to see. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. 
And before we get into Sunday's Fiesta, Fiesta Man, I want to first take a second to talk to you guys about CBDMD. That's right, it's been a while since I've talked about uh, these folks, but they're still important. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter if you're, you're Fernando Tatis, who's hitting 800,000 home runs a game. It doesn't matter if you're Dominic Toretto. It doesn't matter if you're a superhero, if you're Robert Paddington and... Actually, yeah, Robert Pattinson, maybe, based on the quotes that he gives to newspapers, maybe he could use some refreshing things to help him make it through the day. Luckily, uh, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo of topicals and things that can help you relax and regroup and recharge, no matter who you are, uh, when life gets super chaotic, as it often does. First up, they've got CBD Freeze with Menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover, on the other hand, combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. So listen up. Not only are these things going to make life easier, the CBDMD folks are also making it easier for you to acquire them because to make it easier, this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. That's right. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code LOCKDOWNMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Check it out. All right, everybody. And now let's talk about what you're really excited for. You know, what you're really looking forward to talking about. And that was yesterday's game, the Sunday game, the offensive explosion that happened. And before we get into the specifics and the six home runs and some of my thoughts on that, first I want to talk about Madison Bumgarner. And I want to start off by saying this. Look, I don't feel bad for him at all. Some people were texting me. Some people were saying, oh, man, you hate to see Bumgarner just falling off completely like this. My response to that is I don't at all. And you know why? That's because Bumgarner is one of those guys who for years has been this gatekeeper of what should be allowed and what kind of behavior is acceptable in this game. You know what I mean? I could count back to like eight incidents I can remember where he gets upset if you round the bases too fast or if you flip your bat or if, like yesterday happens, in my opinion, you see Will Myers. He stares at his home run. He admires his shot a little bit. Then he's evil-eyeing him the entire way around the bases. Hey, Madison Bumgarner, I've got an idea. You don't like people celebrating? Get them out. I've never understood this behavior from professional athletes, some of the most competitive people like in the world, you know what I mean, when it comes to this stuff, that's how they get where they are, that they're like, that. that's their response, is to be a sore loser about it, you know what I mean, and guess what, if you strike out Will Myers there, you get to be like, hey, you know what I mean, you get to celebrate and do a little fist bump thing too, why not, that's how it goes, this is why people don't get upset at baseball, I'd say the same thing, by the way, for any Padres pitcher, please guys, send me a message and be like, oh, if there's someone listening from the D-backs right now for some reason, a fan of another team, let me know, because I have not seen that for, for the Padres specifically. I've had problems with this for teams for years. I can't stand it. I don't want to get too much into this. I feel like I could say this for a whole other podcast. But there's a very coded message with not enjoying people celebrating that can sometimes be ta- uh, traced to areas of race as far as I'm concerned. It wasn't in the case of Myers, obviously. But I'm just saying. This humble pie is the way to go thing is ridiculous. So yeah. I'm glad that Madison Bumgarner, after three starts, is sitting with a 9.35 ERA. I love it. And his whip is 1.5. I love it. He's had a great career. I don't feel bad for him. His World Series MVP had one of the all-time playoff performances. 
ERA of like .3 or whatever it was in that World Series. Completely won it for the Giants. He pitched like every day. He was great. But let's just say seeing him hang those 77-mile-an-hour breaking balls and curveballs that just hang too much and seeing the Padres knock them out of the park made me very happy. I am no fan of Madison Bumgarner's. And if I hadn't made that clear before, uh, hopefully I made it clear now. I do not like people like this, and he's been a baby. You know, mad bum, mad baby to me for years now. The only difference is now things aren't going his way. But anyway, yes, with all the home runs that happened yesterday, you had two for Manny Machado, one of them which was just a shot, and then the other one which he kind of like, he hung the curveball a little bit low, and then it was like kind of a line drive home run. Nothing hit particularly hard and over, you know, he didn't hit out of the ballpark, but that was really nice to see. And then you get one from the aforementioned Myers, which was a two-run home run that gave them the 3 nothing lead, which was like, oh boy, we're starting off good today. And then Tatis hits another because of course he did. And then you get one from Francisco Mejia, two-run home run. And then you get one from Ty France. Look, Ty France, great to see that from him. Uh, like I said, the bench has been fairly productive, given that they are bench players, especially with Greg Garcia, but it was nice to see Ty France get on the board here in a big way. Francisco Mejia, I think they need to just bite the bullet and start playing this guy more, because I feel like, this is just my thought, and some other people have said this, so I don't want to steal this entirely, some of the Gaslamp ball guys. They were saying, we haven't been giving enough credit necessarily to Tatis and his defensive capabilities. Is it necessarily better than Hedges? Behind the plate, no, but I don't feel like the discrepancy between the two has been large enough that it that it justifies using Hedges more. We know that Hedges doesn't have any upside offensively. We know that Francisco Mejia might have it. I mean, you look at his numbers in the August and September, he was slashing like around 270 and hitting doubles and triples practically, right? So he might have that upside. He does a little bit, has looked a little bit uh, wonky behind the plate. He's getting behind in counts like way too often and has been, I mean, some of his strike threes... Some of his chase rate is out of control with the pitches that he's been swinging at. But still, at least I feel like there's upside there. You know what I mean? And we haven't been giving him credit. I mean, I don't know how much of this is him, but Denelson Lemon against the Dodgers, he had that no-hitter going through like five innings, right? Didn't have as many strikeouts as he did yesterday. But should we give him credit there? If it was Austin Hedges, maybe people would be like, oh, that's Austin Hedges for you, helping Lamette, you know, calling a great game right now. And then yesterday... Same thing happens. So I think we do deserve to, you know, Mejia, maybe we're not giving enough credit to him. You know what I mean? For how good he's been. Or I shouldn't say how good he's been, but how unfair some of the, the that dichotomy between him and, and, and Hedges might be. So I really think they need to be playing him even more. I know he's struggling, but I just think you got to have the off, the upside there. You know, you got to do that. And of course, Denelson Lamet. Like I said, no hitter through six and two thirds innings, eleven strikeouts. Cole Calhoun ends up breaking it up with the homer, which is really depressing to see. I know a lot of people believe in the jinxing and the not wanting to jinx the player, not wanting to bring it up, which I don't know where I fall on that. I don't know necessarily, but I do think at when you hit like seven innings, that if people start talking about it, it's almost like a not even a jinx thing, but it's like you want to, you know, get people's attention to the broadcast. It's almost like it might even be a business thing at that point where you're trying to have people tune in and be like, hey, there might be a no-hitter going on right now. Everyone's going to want to tune in for that game. You know what I mean? This, that's just kind of how I view it. So, you know, and every no-hitter ever, I feel like, has been, and every perfect game ever, there has been an update of this might be a perfect game. You get one from Bleacher Report or whatever, not to name drop, but, like, that's 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 what happens. You know what I mean? So I don't want to get too uh, down into that. Padres still haven't had a no-hitter. Who knows if they'll ever have one? Who knows if people, even the Padres fans, you know, maybe if you guys wear this as a badge of honor almost as being the only team without an owner, who knows? But one thing is certain is that Denelson Lamette has been awesome for the Padres this year, even better than the share of Chris Paddock. He's got a 
6-1 ERA right now with 28 strikeouts. That's a K per nine of 11.3. Absolutely excellent. And don't get me wrong, Paddock has been good too. I do think that they could have taken him out. And if they did take him out, his numbers would look a lot better. But still, just an ERA of 3.18 with 21 strikeouts and a 1.015 whip with an 8.3 K per nine. That's still good. Still very, very good. Especially considering, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a lot of the aces and a lot of pitchers in baseball haven't been really all that great this year. I mean, not, not to dog on him, but Shane B. Bieber, eh, that's not actually a fair example, but like Trevor Bauer has been like insane for the Reds this year. A lot, almost all the Indian starters have been amazing. This Sack Pleetsack, who is in the news for the wrong reasons, but still, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's still great to see. And I think one thing is true, and I'm not trying to take credit. I'm not trying to say I told you so. I'm really not. I just was high on the guy and thought he would be good as well as Grisham, who I've been right on too. The thing with Lamette is he has been so much that other ace. And I don't think people realize that, you know, people from the outside looked at the Padres rotation and they were kind of like, yeah, they've got Paddock, but we'll have to see if they develop anything else until Gore comes up. No, actually, they've got Lamette, who's great and might be just as good as Paddock and right now better. And also, you've got Davies and Richards, who I know Richards has the ER 4.6 right now, but I still think he's looked pretty okay and he's gotten a little bit beat up. I still think he's a solid back of the rotation guy. And Davies had that gem kind of on Friday, right? So that's how I feel about the Padres rotation. They've been great. And now let's just go over some stats because the big thing I always talk about is the offense, right? Some numbers. They're tied for first in home runs right now, which in my opinion, not as crazy, you know, not as crazy. They are tied with the Dodgers in that respect. But what is crazy is all the other numbers, right? They're currently in first place for OPS ahead of the Yankees and the Orioles who are in third place, which is kind of crazy. They're first in stolen bases. They're tied for second for RBIs. They're third in runs. And, in my opinion, the most exciting thing, 10th in batting average, and more importantly, 6th in on-base percentage. On-base percentage has been the number one thing that's been one of the concerns of the Padres' offense. It hasn't necessarily been the pop. You had guys like Renfro and Franmil Reyes last year. Renfro, who hit you know 27 home runs in the first half last year and then completely cratered. He batted 161 in, that, in the second half, and his on-base wasn't any better, obviously, with an average like that, right? You basically exchange Renfro and and Reyes for, you know, love the name Reyes, of course, but you essentially have exchanged them for Grisham and Pham. And while, you know, Pham hasn't been starting off perfectly great, and I did say he deserves a little bit more blame than he has been getting as opposed to Machado, he's still walking a lot more. You know what I mean? Even when he's not hitting, he's still walking considerably more. And Grisham, 245 average, he's got 377 on base percentage. So that's really what's the most exciting thing about the Padres in a lot of ways. And, you know, you look at Tatis, you look at kind of the, the three main guys, I'd say, who have been the studs to help with the the efforts the most. Tatis, obviously, slash line of 333, 417, 810, and OPS at 1.226, which is absurd, of course. Eight home runs, 18 ribbies, the most strikeouts on the team of any of the players, but still, I've, I've noticed that he's been chasing a lot um, less this year with pitches outside of the zone, which was one of the com- the complaints and one of the fears is that he did strike out at like 100 Ish, or I think 117 times last year. So his strikeout rate was high, which always makes you fear, is the batting average going to dip considerably? You know what I mean? That can happen sometimes. But clearly the plate discipline, while he is striking out, he is he does have a little bit better of a plate. At least when he's striking out, it's not necessarily, you know, things out of the zone like they were last year to the same degree. So that's a really encouraging sign. And in my opinion, he's the current NL MVP. He's the only shortstop, like I alluded to earlier, in the modern era since 1900 to have at least 30 home runs in his first 100 games. Yeah, 
pretty good company, if you ask me. And then the second stud, of course, is Will Myers, which is not exactly the one that it was everyone was expected. I say the, the guys everyone expected were Tatis, Machado, and Fam. It hasn't been. It's Tatis been, of course. He's been living up to the bill. He's playing like, you know, like I said, like he got the $300 million contract. But Myers has been the unexpected one, batting 278, 350, 667 as a slash line with an OPS of 1.017. That includes five homers, 12 ribbies, and he's just... And even a steal thrown in there too. He's just getting hits at the right time. I feel like for the Padres, yes, he's had some. He strikes out a lot considerably, and I'm not necessarily fully confident that he's going to keep up with this current pace. But it's still nice to see. And if he doesn't keep up with it, hopefully, hopefully, it's been he's been able to make up for the fact that Machado and Fam haven't been so great. You know what I'm saying? So that's really great to see on his part from Myers. Hopefully, he can keep it up. And it's not totally, you know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he does, considering the shortened season. And then Trent Grisham, although he's been in a little bit of a slump and he has made some errors and defensively, uh, aside from that catch I talked about on Friday, which was great to see. Um, and that's not all that uh, reassuring with the whole defensive problem we might have in the outfield, but still, he's still been great with a slash. And I have 246, 377 on base, 526 slugging, and 903 OPS. That includes four home runs, three stolen bases, and seven ribbies. The ribbies aren't as great, which he could have a couple more um, RBIs, but maybe that's just factor of being at the top of the order. Obviously, that hasn't impacted Tatis's ability to get RBIs, but still, uh, Grisham's been great even when he's in a slump, still managing to get on base. So Grisham's been such a great underrated thing. Um, and an underrated kind of trade that was made last year. Everyone already has been talking about who we're going to get into a second. Jake Cronenworth, that trade for Tommy Pham. It turns out that might have been the Jake Cronenworth trade at this uh, point, right? So he's batting in 28 plated experiences, which is a smaller sample size compared to the rest of the guys. Slash line of 357, 379, 821, and an OPS of 1.201. He's basically done everything over the 28 plate appearances. He has 10 hits, which includes two triples, three doubles, four homers, and also he He's even made some great plays on defense. This is a guy that I feel like a lot of people expect to be like a Swiss Army knife and just not especially excellent and prolific in any one particular thing, but he's just been good. You know, he's making good defensive plays at first base. I mean, it's just great to see. And then the bench guys, Greg Garcia being the most impressive so far, you know, I think Garcia might be the guy that we need to have to replace Profar right now because Profar is just not doing I mean, guys, Profar is batting 136. His OPS is 488. He's been bad. We knew the catching situation wasn't going to be great, but he's just been no, no good. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering, is Greg Garcia potentially going to be that guy that maybe replaces him? You know, in 25 plate appearances, he hasn't had the most sample size, but in such a small sample size of a season, in short, short in season, regularly, you might be able to wait on him. Otherwise, he's batting 304 with a 360 on base, and he's got two doubles to go with it. Um, and six ribbies, like, he, it might be time to just put him in, and you might not be you might not be, be afforded the luxury of waiting on profile any longer. We'll have to see how that plays out. But he's been great, of course, and Hosmer's basically been a great uh, bench player who's been in and out of the lineup, but he's been great. I mean, he basically had those two games for us, right, where he hit the home run to tie the game early on against the, in the D-back series, and then he had the six RBI game, so that was great to see. But overall, Padres' offense has just been so great. And like I said, while I'm not thrilled with Machado this far, and we can't excuse his early season, season kind of 
not slump. He hasn't been awful. He hasn't been jerks in profile by any chance. We cannot excuse him for the two home runs yesterday. And that ended up being home runs in a blowout. You know what I mean? He still deserves uh, some time. But, you know, I can understand the complaint given his contract. And also, it's just, you know, he might be getting a little bit unlucky. He has been hitting the ball really hard. Um, hitting the, like the 100 mile an hour mark. And so even in the, the ground balls, you know what I mean? So he's smoking the ball pretty hard. And his BABIP is really low, around 210 to 220. So that does suggest that he is going to improve so it is he's gonna improve but I don't want last year you know what I mean what we need from Machado is for him to be what he was May and June of last year specifically we can't just have good we need excellent we need superior we need all-time not all-time but we need like incredible third baseman something that's comparable at least to like Nolan Arenado who's a division rival you know what I'm saying that's what we need from Manny Machado and with all that being said, that's really all I have to say on the weekend series, guys. It was just so fun. My rant, a bub guard, all that stuff. I mean, hopefully we can continue the the goodwill with the Dodgers. I'm hoping to at least split the series. You know, it's going to be a tough one. We've got Richards going tonight. And then Perdermo is expected to start on Tuesday. That's probably going to be a bullpen game with Cal Quantrill, who's been rested. Hopefully he, who hasn't been too bad this year, can kind of step in and, you know, help with that game. That game right now isn't projected to be one we can necessarily win, but hopefully... Uh, we can have a good uh, game there. And we'll see what we get out of Perdermo and, and Quantrill. It'll still be interesting. You know, so that's that's really all I have to say, guys. Last thing I wanted to mention, there's a new ESPN profile piece by Jeff Passan on Fernando Tatis Jr. It was such a treat for me to wake up and see that tweeted out. I can't wait to we- uh, I can't wait to finish reading it. I was about halfway through. It's great. It's delightful. I'm going to link it in the description for you guys. Kind of like a little nice treat. And who knows, after this Dodgers series, we might all be depressed because the Dodgers are loaded, guys. So we'll have to see how that uh, that pads out but I will like that in the description and hope you guys enjoy it I love a little profile piece on LDD I mean come on he is I think objectively the most exciting player in baseball right now I genuinely do believe that but with that final comment said guys that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from follow the show or myself on Twitter or maybe even go send me some nice reviews on iTunes that would be really appreciated and of course until next time Stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.